thank you especially to husbands and wives who are non-beer drinkers who are indulging uh, those beer drinkers. <laughs> the other half. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff yeah, that's taken fine. from we the second shelf. We don't need food leading into Christmas. <laughs> yes, you can take all the food out and put a box of beer in. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are premium and proud supporters of this. And this is Good Brews Week. I am your... No, what is it? Yeah, Good Brews Week? I think it is. Yeah, it's Good Brews Week. Good Brews Week. Good Brews... Whatever it is, I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. It's not really a conversation, Pete, that's for sure. joining me... The one who is supposed to be the one getting his words all modelled up because he's got no idea uh, which hemisphere he's in or what time of day or even year it is. It's Matt Kierkegaard. Welcome back, Matt. Good morning, Pete. Yeah, actually, I don't feel too bad. I um, it's it's a, it's a long haul. It really is like a twenty-four hour. I had a because you went from we spoke to you in Amsterdam last week. Yeah, and we'll we'll regale the viewers with a little bit of bonus content perhaps at the end of the thing about how <laughs> how well that worked out. Um, but then you flew back to Germany. Just, was this like going to San Francisco just so we could, uh, like taking a day out of our trip, just so we could visit Little Breaches? <laughs> this was just so you could go to Brewdog Berlin, Berlin. No, no, formerly, no. the artist formerly known as Stone Berlin? No, no. Um, or is that where you were flying out from? Well, Berlin was, uh, I attacked on a couple of days, it was work and pleasure. So I've never been to Berlin, wanted to see Berlin itself, um, and while I was in Berlin, wanted to go see Brewdog. So Berlin was the destination, but Brewdog was a bonus for there. But uh, yeah, that was um, pretty much, I'll tell you what, I I had probably the shortest possible flight. So I flew uh, from Berlin. There was an internal flight to Dusseldorf, Dusseldorf, Singapore, Singapore, Brisbane. And there was only an hour changeover. So I was praying that there were no delays on the way. But even so, it's a 24-hour, you know, so it's pretty much the bare minimum without jumping on one of those planes that does the whole thing without stopping. And uh, it was from gate to gate to gate to gate, and it was still a 24-hour um, return flight. So I uh, got back at 5 o'clock yesterday, stayed up, and uh, slept pretty well. And, yeah, but I'm not feeling too bad right now, but tonight I'll be uh, flagging, I'm sure. Well, at least this week the uh, the brewing community has been reasonably kind to you, Matt, and hasn't, you know, no groundbreaking announcements or... Uh, any shocking news of any description thus far. So at least this time we can just sort of go through some uh, brief news that you've probably already caught up on. Um, now, first of all, I just do need to check in on, on the kids. Uh, but Claire and Sam in the in the office, everything was okay when you got back? Were they, were I haven't they happy been to see the you? Office. I haven't been into the office yet. I haven't I got been back, back in yet. Last night, no, and uh, recording this, um, you know, and I'll be joining them in the office uh, straight from here. But I've got every, every uh, faith in them. They... they have been doing it very well. Mate, the hamster has been well and truly kept on the wheel while you're away, it's fair to say. And I should also say producer Joe, who keeps, you know, again, like it, it, it's great that we can do these things and still stick to schedule and um, yeah, have people to, to run it for us. So we, we do thank the team. Yeah, no, they have done very well in your absence. Now get back to work. Now, Matt, uh, kicking off, nominations are now open for the Gab's Hottest 100. So this is the 12th year of the Gab's Hottest 100 Aussie Craft Beers poll. Uh, back and bigger, and bigger and better than ever. So from 11th of December, um, you will be able to... Now, so at the moment, this is the nominations for the brewers. 
for the brewers to list their beers, yes, because if, yeah. if, if you remember, Pete, I, I think you talked about it uh, when we discussed the sale that poor Justin Joyner in the first couple of years had to work out whether, you know, when somebody voted for Cooper's Green as opposed to Cooper's, Cooper's Pale, Pale Ale versus... Or, or Stone and Wood Draft Ale, Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, or just put Stone and Wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do they mean? And uh, so, so this is the way for the brewers uh, to make sure all of the beers that they have released during the year that are eligible to, to be voted on um, are in the database. And so when someone goes along, they can just go and they can sort of uh, click for it. So, um, yep. it, but it, it, it's basically the start of the build-up to what I still think is one of the biggest days of the beer year. Um, for, for people who are in the bubble and it's near surrounds. Being very much involved with it, I've seen that just outside grow. So it, where it was very much, uh, I mean, look, the first two years was essentially the Tap House staff um, in, in St Kilda and Darlinghurst then, uh, and the regular the regular customers and anyone who who had you know signed up to the um, the newsletter kind of thing or who who read the blog, uh, tipping in their their top five or whatever it was. It might have been been more, I think, early on. I can't remember, but it, yeah, like you say, it was certainly very very manual. Um, I think that's one of the nicest things for me about it is that it's not now just the the pointy end. It's actually getting a little bit of traction outside of the bubble, as evidenced by the number. You know, the increase in in um, in numbers of votes has been terrific. Absolutely, and you know, like it, it's it's one of the things that is interesting as anything grows. Um, you know, like it, growth takes you outside of the known community and. The bigger the community, the more diverse the community is. And it's been interesting to see the criticisms and the complaints um, as Gabs has grown out of just being the local tap house and then the Gabs um, community to, you know, being promoted via Dan Murphy's, for example. Um, and some of, you know, and as it's, mm. it's, it's got some mainstream coverage, people are sort of, well, it's just a Dan Murphy's. And people have actually seen it as something that was owned by Dan Murphy's or being promoted by Dan Murphy's or um, somehow a stooge for one of the big um, retailers. Oh, I still get people coming up to me and, and saying, oh, you're involved with Gabs. Now, it's, 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 I don't want to be involved with it because it's, it's owned by Dan Murphy's. No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, that, and that's the the actual festival. But this is one of the big. It, it it really is one of the big challenges that growth faces, and it it is something that I see all the time. You know, like when when something grows and it's to to grow, it grows out of the area that you feel comfortable as knowing it in, and it, it does start to go to you know somewhere and, like and the area Memphis. Matt over which you have you feel you have control. Yeah, it, it, absolutely, and you know, like it's. When you see a magnet or a piece of metal, you know, bouncing between two magnets, um, you know, on on one hand, there's a part of you that sort of thinks, well, you know, Dan Murphy's is a, you know, the, or the, the big retailers, whatever they are, just like the big brewers, uh, monocultures, and they shade out all of the small, diverse retailers that make the industry, you know, viable and you know, or, or, or interesting. But then you also think, well, we, we, we don't want craft beer to be a little walled garden. We want it to be something, you know, we want everyone to be appreciating craft beer and that means taking it outside of, you know, taking it to places that the vast majority of people shop um, and, you know, once more people are, you know, buying their craft beer from Dan Murphy's, then you've got them drinking craft beer and then you can start trying to win their minds with, you know, 
the, the, the need exactly. to support your, 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 your small local because or independent. they're sitting around watching the the footy on the TV or whatever and turn the can around and see the independence logo or they see um, you know we're an Australian family owned or whatever it might be the um, the, the story just continues yeah absolutely so uh, anyway I think we've gotten off a little bit the topic of the um, nominations for because absolutely. but it is important that you do get your yeah so for brewers to get their nominations in you've got until 5 p.m on Monday the 9th of December. Um, so that way, when the poll opens, um, fans of your beer can uh, be assured that that beer will be there. I'm pretty sure because it is very the, – the back end of the of the Gab's Hottest 100 has really, really grown to accommodate and, and to allow for future growth and expansion in the in the whole poll. Um, but I, I think if you – I think you can still if, – if you go on and you want to put a, a brewer's beer in and you, you see it's not there, I think there still is the opportunity to – like uh, let us know if if there's a beer missing, and then the because it might be that the, you know there was a, a one-off beer that the brewers kind of forgotten about now, but really hit a, a chord with the um, with the voting public. Absolutely, and it, it, yeah, look, it, um, it, it was interesting. I think two years ago or three years ago, I don't think Coopers had even put its beer in. Um, you know, despite all, uh, the- yeah, Coopers, the marketing department, whoever was in charge of whatever it was at that time, at Coopers decided we're not craft, we're not going to be part of it. Uh, and I think when... This is something that's just not others relevant to us. the business found out, yes, uh, said, no, hang on. Uh, no, let's, <laughs> don't, yeah, pretty sure it was just that just that one year. Last year I was f- um, fielding phone calls in September. So so when can we list our beers for the hottest 100? Um, so, you know... Um, you do know we're just the media partner. We don't run the thing. Well, but, but it, it was <laughs> showing just how significant the hottest 100 is. And uh, actually, um, and the, the other thing we, we should say is that this year um, now... This was this was locked in in May when Gabs was in Brisbane. Um, we were approached to take the hottest one hundred up to um, Cairns, and so we'll be broadcasting yeah, our, our live countdown of the the hottest one hundred of the hottest one hundred. Because the last two years we were down at Bolter, um, and Bolter by invitation, the pole. by but, invitation, not through insider knowledge or not, anything like that. Well, the, the first year we did it because we'd pretty much been to a couple of the bigger Brisbane. Breweries, and it was well. We don't have the funds to go interstate. Any, to go interstate, um, so I'll, I'll just drive down the coast and sort of get out of the bubble. Last year, it was because we were invited back, um, and they did have a great space. This year, now I, I'm. Who knows? They've won a couple of gold medals um, for their Pilsner, um, so yeah, maybe Hemingway at, at both the AOBAs and the Indies. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if they came out on num- at number one, but. Um, and, and we're no, not we, we, okay so we're going to Hemingway's we've been invited Hemingway's back in May it's been locked in we the poll hasn't even opened <laughs> yeah yeah so so we're not privy to any knowledge uh, but very very excited that we'll have the team up there in uh, uh, steamy North Queensland um, for the hottest 100 countdown so uh, yeah very excited about that Pete yeah, very excited to be up there in a small environment with you, sweating like a fat man's ass. In uh, what is, what's it going to be like? Thirty-seven degrees, but one hundred and ten percent humidity. Uh, look, at least enough, there'll be beers there, Matt. At I least there'll be beers there. We've got to look at the bright side. There, there will be beers. It will be in an air-conditioned um, room overlooking the, uh, the the brewery, which is very very cool. Um, nice. But yeah, I don't think it actually gets up to to, to the high thirties very often. I think it's just constantly low thirties, but the humidity gets up to about six hundred percent. Right. Um, so yeah, so that that is the real trap. But very very excited, and uh, um, and I need to yeah, we'll get everything 
uh, sorted so our regular listeners um, can download the app and listen wherever you are, sort of enjoying your um, Saturday um, countdown so you can have us on in the background as we talk it down. And we probably need to have yeah, a Yeah, so bit. that's an important point, Matt. So the... The Gab's Hottest 100, which used to be whatever day Australia Day fell, that was when the, the poll results were announced. Yes. But now it's the Saturday closest to, which in this case, I think is no, the, it's the day before. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, so the, it's 25th. the 25th yeah. of January. So, uh, and you'll, you'll be able to listen live uh, through the website um, or MixLR can, is the app that Send we us use. questions and comments and that We've sort of stuff. We've got a chat room, and, yeah. Yeah. And we'll also have the... Um, uh, the parade of uh, you know former champions and uh, people from the through, throughout the beer biz, um, retailers as well as brewers, and um, I'm guessing we'll probably have a chat to somebody from the IBA or from Good Beer Week. Yeah, well, in the past we've had uh, like we've had guys like Jamie Cook um, drop by when we were broadcasting at Bolter, and you know we've had. Brennan Virus call in from the uh, from LAX. Um, so I, I guess the big thing is for our listeners is who would you like to hear from? We broadcast for about three hours on the day. Um, it does go out live. You can listen live or you can download the episode as a um, podcast later, but you can listen live. There's a chat room that you can engage in. So if you've got any people that you would like us to speak to on the day, um, start putting in your suggestions so we can start teeing up our guests. Uh, you know, because it, it's not that far. It's only two months away. We're, we're in under the month till Christmas, Prof. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, fast approaching. And uh, so just to reiterate, so Monday the 9th of December, 5pm, that's the cutoff for brewers to nominate their beers. And then the poll opens on the 11th. So uh, Wednesday the 11th of December. Exactly. You'll be able to start voting. All right. Matt, set to launch in 2020, is BrewLab. Queensland's craft brewers are to have access to BrewLab from next year, enabling them to test their beer for quality, develop test batches, and access a sensory testing suite to improve beer quality and troubleshooting. The state government has announced as part of the Department for State Development's uh, craft beer strategy efforts an investment of 220 large annually for the next five years into the brew lab. So it'll be located at the Coopers Plains Health and Food Sciences Precinct, which is part of the Department of Agriculture and Fisheries existing food pilot plant facility. Uh, it'll also be the base for a certificate three in food processing brackets brewing, which will be operating from 2020, according to the department, although this is yet to be confirmed by Queensland TAFE. That's correct, yes. So um, it was interesting because Claire had been working on a bit of a... We, we are coming up to the 12 months um, since... In fact, I think we've passed the 12 months since the craft beer strategy was launched. And, you know, we, we've been keeping a fairly close eye on, on the strategy. And, you know, BrewDog opened recently in Brisbane, which was one of the things that was the impetus for the uh, strategy uh, being announced. And... You know, when Claire spoke about it, we knew that there was this brew lab and we knew that it was going ahead and we'd heard about the, the, the brewery it was going in, but there wasn't a lot of consultation with the industry about what they needed. So this all seemed to be, you know, the industry's had a very clear idea of what they want out of the strategy. And this was something that was the government sort of saying, well, this is what we're going to do for you. And it didn't seem to have a lot of people in the industry going, you know, what we really need is this um, you know, lab that we can test brew. Um, 
Training, yes, um, but even then, uh, TAFE Queensland, when we approached, knew nothing about the, the training. So I said, look, you know, there's no way that we're going to get courses. Our programs are done for um, 2020, so there's no way that we're going to be able to include this. So um, I still get the feeling that the Queensland government, uh, the, the craft beer strategy is a little bit more showpiece than... Um, you know, something that is deeply embedded in the, the government's planning and also in, in, in the brewing planning. But yeah, having spoken to Hendo, who is a, admittedly, he's a, I think a champion, has been named as a champion for Brew Lab. Um, he's pretty bullish about what it can do. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's only doing stuff that private industry won't be doing because it won't be competing which kind of limits what it is. But as he said, you know, this is the sort of stuff that um, the, you know, private labs won't be doing. So it, it, it has some benefits. So look, the, the jury's still out on what it means for brewers. Um, it certainly sounds like there's something there that brewers could be using, but we'll wait and see. I still think, you know, as Hendo pointed out, this is a great chance for brewers to improve their sensory training and also make sure that the quality of the beer is there. Um, the one thing that the government is um, apparently doing some last-minute consultation on and we still haven't heard what's going on is the any you know, like licensing reform that will let brewers turn up um, at you know, wine, food and wine shows and sell their, their, their beers the way that wineries can and there's yeah. there's no point at all if queensland brewers have the best beer in the world if they don't have route to market and they don't have the ability to create awareness of their product because beer is still very much a second-class citizen to wine so yeah. we'll wait and see and hopefully with the royal queensland beer awards coming up in march next year and the opportunity so part of the the RNA's remit with the with the beer awards and trying reactivating them and making them relevant is the the beer festival that's going to follow the announcement of the awards so that uh, brewers who have entered their beers can then actually showcase them people can come in and, and try the beers um, we obviously showcase a few and did so for the RNA this year at a separate bar at the Ecker so that the, the beers are getting out there so at least there's there's movement on on some fronts, it just seems that that yeah, the craft beer strategy. It's all a little bit like the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. Like, okay, we're going to have TAFE courses. Uh, did anyone speak to TAFE? No, not yet. Yeah. So, but but at least it's you know the brew lab is at least a step in the right direction. And and see, this is where there's a bit of a challenge because uh, I got a media release this week that uh, a high school in Queensland has developed a small brewery um, and, and to provide training. In high school, so on one hand, that's awesome. Um, especially, to... especially if the especially if the brewery's right next to the tuck shop. Yeah, well, I wonder what Fair's going to say about that. Uh, can I have a twisty roll <laughs> and a pint of IPA? And can I have a beer slushy, please? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so look, it it it, it, it look. I, it, it does highlight the challenge that government has in terms of doing these sorts of things because they can't control what private industry does. And if there's a quid to be made, industry will, you know, private businesses will set up um, around that. And that is why government is notoriously bad at picking winners. Um, they should, you know, through the le levers that they do have, um, through, you know, licensing legislation and also, you know, at a federal level, 
um, excise at a state level, um, you know, business um, imposts, you know, whether it's payroll taxes and, you know, fire levies that we, we've seen, they're the things that government can actually help business um, get on with doing what they do. And then it's up for consumers um, to decide whether there is a, a need for it. Um, I, I, I don't think government does a good job in terms of picking winners. Um, so they should no, just make, sure. Yeah, so they should just make it easier for business to do what business does. Yep. Uh, moving on, and the IBA moves to its next phase of growth. So it was reported this week that the uh, the IBA, the Independent Brewers Association, is moving into a new phase of its growth, and the inaugural Indie Beer Day, which occurred on the 26th of October, was at just the beginning. Indie Beer Day was also a way for us to announce the second phase of the seal, the launch of the Independent Supporter Seal for supporting venues, the IBA said. The objective of this phase is to step up our efforts in raising awareness and engagement with the industry, that's brewers and the trade, while driving member and trade supporter recruitment. It's also resulting in the seal being displayed in new places for consumers to engage with, which I think is is probably the most important bit, getting the, the story out there. Uh, the IBA said the next phase of our program, which will kick in later in the year, will be about building on the familiarity and understanding of indie beer. We're building a brand at a rational and an emotional level while creating clarity and greater meaning for the IBA. That takes time and a consistent and continuous effort. This is just the start, Matt. Yeah, I should say that this was um, in The Shout, um, which is a publican, uh, an online publication for publicans. And it was, for indie uh, yeah. Uh, IBA chair Jamie Cook wrote an article for them um, where he outlined those plans. Uh, Claire had touched on a couple of these things, um, you know, as, as an industry um, news site, we tend not to, um, you know, jump in and champion something like Indie Beer Day. We we cover it and so so we, we looked into that uh, around Indie Beer Day. But yeah, it, it, and I think we talked on it uh, when I was in, I think it was last week's podcast, Pete, uh, or the week before when I was in Nuremberg still, um, a little bit about whether there was a question on Facebook, whether an indie supporter can be somebody who just has one independent beer on tap, whether they're a supporter of indie beer. We talked about that. Yeah. I, 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 I had hoped that we might have got some clarification on that because, I yeah, I, it'd be interesting to see. I might give Jamie Cook a call uh, this week Let's and, do that. And, and just even sort of uh, insert it into next week's podcast. I know Jamie's a listener of the podcast. He certainly uh, weighs in on the Facebook group. Um, so we can touch base with Jamie about that because, again, I, I think we highlighted the, the various arguments. Should an indie beer supporter be somebody that has, you know, primarily indie beer taps or does, you know, even if they've got the one tap um, uh, that is independent, they get to wear that seal and they get to have independence over that tap, which creates, an, it creates um, you know, consumer interest in going, well, what makes that tap difference? That one independent beer tap, you know, why don't the other 15 taps um, that have, you know, green bacon and feral and whatever on, um, why don't they have the independent thing above them? Um, and th- that's a fairly powerful conversation to be having as well. Yep. No, exactly. All right. Well, that's the uh, the news covered for the week. For those who missed any of those articles, um, that's our opportunity to, I guess, give you a little bit of a, a pricey, a bit of a, a snapshot. Just before we get to the mailbag, um, I don't know if you want to have a bit of a chat about that, that I did travel to Berlin. I went to, to BrewDog, gave a little bit of a, a review, um, as 
uh, Carrie Ann Purchase uh, pointed out, I did find it. Uh, what was the phrase I used? It was almost like a, a one article um, Bruce News bingo. Um, yes. Uh, I can't remember what the phrase was now. But and we should uh, welcome Carrie Ann. Genuinely impressive. Yeah, genuinely impressive. Um, and we should welcome Carrie Ann along with Ian McNally, and uh, there's a few others who um, have joined the Facebook page group. We're up to 300 and just under 350 members now, Matt. Considering we don't really push it outside of podcast listeners. Um, it, no, it, and it's real, it, it is for those who have the time and the inclination, I guess, to be that little bit more involved. So, yeah, welcome to all of those and, and the other new members who have joined us recently. Hope you're enjoying the opportunity to have a bit of a chat at uh, a little bit uh, deeper level. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, so I went to Brewdog Berlin, and all jokes aside, it's an impressive venue, said Matt Kierkegaard, and audacious <laughs> in its vision. That said, my first reaction when I got out of the Uber, after a 20-minute train ride, seven-minute Uber ride, and the Uber driver asking if I was in the right place before driving off and leaving me in a dark and seemingly deserted industrial estate, was WTF was Greg Cook even thinking building it here? So it was, that was the initial reaction. Yeah, because I'd had like a lot of people break, tell me. in the wrong spot. Yeah, no, well, I know I'd had a lot of people tell me, look, it's it's a long way out of um, Berlin, um, or, or of the centre of Berlin. And I thought, oh, yeah, look, fair enough. But it is, you jump on a train, um, and it's a 20-minute train ride out of town, and then you need to get to the industrial estate. And you could walk. It's it's uh, late autumn there, so, you know, we got there at 5 So a seven-minute Uber ride would be maybe a 25-minute walk yeah about 25 yeah, it was about, yeah it would, it would have been easily a kilometer and a half from the uh, train station that we went to there was a closer um underground station um but it, so, it, so, uh, just before we go on there matt so i'm just think just to put it in perspective for our listeners so the equivalent if it was in uh brisbane sydney or melbourne 20 minutes like you just about outing you'd be like campbelltown or penrith they'd be about 20 minutes train ride out of the out of the city, if you're in Sydney, and I'm sure some of our listeners can can help us help us out with that. In Melbourne, in Melbourne, it'll put you in the, you know, you could get to South Morang or. Uh, well, I, I guess the 20 minute train ride was Melton. probably including the walk to the train and then the sort of waiting around. So oh, like, okay. total lapse time. So you, like you, you're probably thinking of something that's a little bit like um, going from the inner city out to Two Birds by tram or something along those lines. So. Um, okay. okay. Oh, that's a bit I, 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 actually, uh, I don't know Melbourne well enough to to know that. I just know that two birds. Well, is, is, it, is it similar to where Brewdog uh, Taproom further in, out, in Brisbane is? Further out than Brewdog Brisbane, um, but yeah, about as hard to get to. Um, but it, but it was interesting. So it was five o'clock. It was dark. Um, we the, the the Uber driver. So pulled up and it's it's in an industrial estate and he got to the gate to the industrial estate and so sort of said, you know, through broken English, this is where you want to go because you actually had to enter the industrial estate and I pointed at the Brewdog sign, yeah, yeah, this is it. So he's following his Uber map and you're sort of getting into this industrial estate and you get to this, this, this area where it's actually not even on a road, there's a bit of a path to it and he's checking with me this is really where you want to go because it's pitch black. You could see it, you know, some fairy lights off in the distance, but there's no one around. 
So I'm sort of thinking, oh, Jesus, I hope it's open. And I'd sort of check the, uh, the app. Yeah, it's, it's apparently open um, and got out and uh, walked down. Um, and you know, like there's, there's not a crowd of people streaming in. There's not a crowd of people streaming out. We got there and, yeah, it was probably a third full um, at five o'clock on a Saturday. It built up. We were there for two hours and it sort of built up um, as we got there. But it was still, you know, it's starting to get an atmosphere, but it certainly wasn't crowded. And you'd think Saturday night would be one of their um, fuller nights um, if they were drawing a big crowd. Um and, uh, so, so when you say a, about a third full, is it a, a thousand person? Like, is it oh, uh, say little creatures, Fremantle yeah, sort probably, of size? It or? would probably be about that size. I would imagine that there was probably 150. Uh, everyone was seated, and there were seats available. Um, so it's you know, it, I, I guess it depends. And then there were a couple of other rooms that. that weren't being utilised. So, you know, there were, there were probably about maybe 150, 200 people there. Um, so and uh, five o'clock, so was it sort of full of high vis, uh, you know, knockoffs from the... No, it was Saturday. Around the industrial? No, oh, it was no, a Saturday. So it was a Saturday. So the industrial estate was basically completely closed. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't imagine that they're making a huge profit on it as yet because it's still yeah if that's what it's like on a saturday which would be yeah you'd imagine if it's anything like uh, australian hospitality friday saturday and sunday afternoon are your sort of peak times um particularly in that area um uh, but again my knowledge of german hospitality isn't that great to, to to know exactly when their peak periods would be um on the positive it was it, it didn't seem to be a lot of expats going to go to Brewdog Berlin um, and check a box. Um, it did seem to be German families who were there um, for an evening out um, and, you know, experiencing a bit of, um, you know, trans Scottish American culture um, and doing something a little bit different from their traditional Berlin um you know, ho- you know, pub experience. Um, so, yeah. so, so that was good. It was you know, sort of striking a blow. Um, and, the- and we should, should point out that unlike uh, Brisbane Brewdog at the moment, as we speak, they're brewing out of uh, Berlin, aren't they? No, no, they're not brewing out of oh, Berlin. Oh, so it's just a tap room. Well, yes. It- so, so there is an enormous brewery there. They do have a pilot plant that I believe is brewing the, um, you know, the, the um, unique... Brewdog Berlin beers, um, but when you sort of sit back uh, and look at the brewery through glass, it, it it's very much like the Stone Brewery at Escondido, where you, yeah. you know, the, the the brewery's behind glass, huge impressive brewery, but it's 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 very pristine prof. Um, so it didn't look like it was uh, in. And then when I spoke to a couple of people, um, no, no, no. Uh, brewing taking place in so they the, haven't in, taken over the brewing the brewery part of it or utilized it as yet they, they haven't well I, I imagine that they don't have the demand because they've got their their giant uh ellen brewery um they've got their you know they're brewing in the u.s um i my understanding is that the purchase was a bit of a continental european hedge against um brexit so oh uh, yeah yep, yep, um yeah so so that way 
if if, if they needed it, the, the the brewery was there. Um, but yeah, look, it, again, can't take anything away from hospitality. I, I use the words audacious in its vision very deliberately because it is like it. There is a lot of space that's given over to um, education. You know, they've got the museum where they took where it's they call it a museum, but it's actually sort of more of a um, you know. A history of beer and the ingredients and that sort of thing. They've got a big area where you know you can probably have twenty five people sitting around a table doing beer school. They've got an area that's given over. They've got a stack of um, uh, little you know, homebrew, fairly impressive homebrew systems. So you know about fifteen, sixteen people can go in and do an all grain brew, which is pretty impressive um, that they've got you know got that sort of investment um, in it. Um, then they've also got you know. The, the, the sort of things that every dive bar is going to have that um what was that game we played in yakima pete where you slide the metal things down the wooden oh. they've got about four of those they've skiffle board skid, skittle board yeah and they've, they've got about four of those they've got pinball machines they've got you know giant jenga all of that sort of stuff um so look yeah as as a hospitality space um it's it, it, it it's really impressive there's a whole lot of areas that aren't about squeezing the best margin you can out of your square meterage. It is about providing a space that people can use and people can come in and you can teach people about beer. Um, that is is a cost. And that's why I describe it as being audacious. So, you know, they really are doing it better um, than most brewery tap rooms because they, but admittedly, they've got a huge amount of space that they need to utilise because you would be fitting a lot of uh, the burgers of... Um, you know, Berlin in to fill that place. So, uh, but again, uh, I, I, I don't want to be too cynical about it because it, they are doing it very, very well. It was interesting to hear some people say that Stones was a much more comfortable, inviting place when it was a Stone venue, um, which having seen the Escondido venue, which, you know, it really was. Uh, Stone Gardens was a very welcoming, comfortable place. Brewdog is very much about the Brewdog aesthetic, um, but the feedback was that the stone beers were far too challenging and uncompromising for a breaking market, um, whereas Brewdog seems to be much more willing to play in the compromising space, um, yeah. which, which again is one of those interesting things. You know, You don't want to sneer at it because that's exactly what good hospitality should be doing. But then again, if you're playing that game, it sounds like Stone was much more punk than Brewdog because, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's sort of... Stone... Well, there's our show title, More Punk Than Brewdog. <laughs> well, I, 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 I was going to say that it is as punk as the Go-Go's to, to steal a line from you in a previous podcast because, um, you know, when you're sitting there listening to... Uh, the Eagles, um, you know, playing uh, it's you know, what easy feeling, um, you know, and uh, a little bit of uh, Billy Joel. Billy Joel, um, you know, not 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 really the punkest of, of musics, and I, I, I did add that that is my record collection. So uh, just so no so you, you felt was, right at home, but I, I did. It was like that, that, that's the thing. But you know, if, if a fifty-year-old white man who uh, you know doesn't go to uh, concerts unless it's somebody who recorded in, as early as the 1990s. Definitely not punk. Um, 
but I, I don't want to criticise them for that because no? it sounds like nor should they be. But look, perhaps if, if Stone or um, or Brewdog or for that matter any other you know local Australian brewery uh, wanted to perhaps punk up their image a little bit. Um, they could jump on the phone and uh, dial 1300 852 235 uh, and call Relling's label stickers and packaging to perhaps punk up their uh, their their offering a little bit, Matt. Mate, you could because if you wanted to, um, you know, when, when we were down at Brewcon, the uh, guys from Relling's they actually had their sleeves, their tattoo sleeves, to play, uh, you know, because they're a little bit like us, Pete. No beards, no tattoos, but they did have their tattoo sleeves on just to show that you can dress it up, even if you if you aren't. And I'm sure you could punk up your cans with one of their sleeves. That's it. You could do a uh, and look. I should put a quick shout out because I don't know that they have done this. The guys out at uh, at Stomping Ground, but the Gipp Street Pale Ale um, for the last two. This is the third November in a, in a row, I think, have um, supported Movember um, to raise money for for men's mental health and. Um, it, the, they've got limited edition for for November. Um, I think they've got the cans have got the um, the mo on them and uh, proceeds from every keg of Gip Street Pale sold goes to November. They've raised a truckload of money in the last couple of years. I haven't seen any updates. Uh, or sorry, I've seen the updates, but I haven't seen the numbers as yet as as to what they hope to to raise. But it's increased every year. So. Um, You've got a couple of days of uh, November left, so get out there and uh, support good beer and a good cause at the same time. And congratulations to everyone who has been. I, I mean, I, I I tried to grow a mo a couple uh, of years ago and uh, ended up looking same. like uh, I am a no pedophile Ned Flanders. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, um, it, it, again, like, I don't want to make light of anything like that. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I did look like a very dodgy <laughs> Ned Flanders, um, and so congratulations to everybody. And I'd, I'd particularly like to single out uh, Jimmy Gold. Do you know Jimmy Gold, Pete? I met Jimmy when we recorded upstairs at Newstead. Yes, um, for. Charlie Bamford, I think. Yeah, uh, genuinely, genuinely lovely guy. Lovely like an bloke. absolute stalwart of the Brisbane beer scene. Um, he he was the guy that championed uh, the City to South running team where we sort of raised money um, for a number of charities. Um, as, as the beer community. So the uh, beer community getting together as a team and running. Yep. Yep. And he's been running, like he's been doing uh, like high country marathons. But for Movember, he decided to run a kilometre for every day of the week, oh, sorry, of the month. So on the 1st of November, he ran one kilometre. On the 2nd, he ran two kilometres. So today is what, the 28th? Today's the 28th. So he's running 28 kilometres. He ran 28 kilometres this morning. So I think it's cool. ended up being about 465 kilometres in total for the month. Um, you joined in with him uh, on I day did, 17, was it? I did the 5K day. No, no, oh, I, did, did 5K I, day. I, I ran on the 5th because oh, then to I be fair, you were going to be away. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And it's been a while since I've been doing any running. So I did do the 5K um, and I might get out and cycle um, with him for one of the uh, the other days just to... Oh, uh, perhaps you could um, like recreate the uh, the old um, Brisbane Bitter <laughs> bike race ad. Yeah, so anyway, I do want to sort of... Uh, I, I can do that. I was, uh, can get into a bikini and do the Brisbane Bitter uh, bike ad. Um, but... <laughs> If anyone wants to support uh, Jimmy, um, he, he he certainly has put in the hard work and uh, can. He, yeah, so Jimmy yeah. Jimmy Gold G O L D, and I'll, I think if you probably if you just go to his Facebook page or if we can uh, link, I'll, I'll link to the to the show notes. So yeah, if yeah, you're in the show notes, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if you can just uh, look, it, it 
it's a great cause. And as I say, Jimmy is a um, an unsung hero. Like he's not the guy who's always there promoting this. He's not always flogging this. He's just does a lot of work just because it's it's what he wants to do, uh, rather than to do it for the the uh, the fame. Yep, absolutely. It's fair to say. Yep. Yeah. Now, before we move on to the mailbag, Matt, um, Unleash Software. Unleash Software. Look, thank you to our sponsors, Unleash Software. And if you are a brewer and you want to just get a better feeling for the data in your business, and we, we've talked a lot uh, about Unleashed and you know how they can help brewers profit, but you know, we have seen the craft beer industry grow from people in the garage to, you know, these days, it's a, it, it, even if you're a small business, you have to be serious about the business side of things. And Unleash Software give you the access to track the data that you need to not just be serious about your beer, but be serious about the business of making beer. So if you want to find a way, you know, if you're keeping everything in a spreadsheet, um, the way that Bruce News used to do, um, you know, these guys can help you to get your data on track. And uh, again, can't uh, point out enough. We did a podcast. Um, oh, Prof, I don't have the notes in front of me. I'm just trying to think of the name of the lady who spoke to us about data. She's got her book has been released. Maria Pearman. Maria Pearman. Thank you, Pete. Um, you are the seeing eye dog for names for me. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. def- definitely not my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Maria Perman, got to watch Wapner. <laughs> um, and yeah, go and listen to Maria Perman, who doesn't work for Unleashed, but did talk about the, you know, is a bit of a champion for their software because she is an accountant who looks at the business of brewing. And uh, she says that, you know, if you are in the business of brewing and you want to understand how your business is running software such as Unleashed is the way to do that. So we thank them for their support of the podcast. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like having sort of a virtual business analyst to sort of, because it's not creating any, um, it's just showing you what you already have, but but giving it to you, I guess, in a, a more digestible form so you can look at smaller yep. numbers and say, okay, oh, we can tweak that. Oh, we don't maybe don't need to focus on that so much. It's not bringing in as much income as we thought or whatever, you know. If you this can't is what's measure costing it, money. you can't control you it. You can't control it, exactly. Uh, all right, it's time to dive into the mailbag. And don't forget, you can review us on iTunes. We'd love you to do that or whatever uh, podcast platform you get your uh, uh, Good Brews Week through or your beer is a conversation through. Um, send us an email and don't forget to include a postal address because we'd love to send you out a Brews News Bar Blade and all of our uh, letters go into the draw and a chance to be the letter of the week. And the one deemed letter of the week will receive a six-pack of uh, Australian independent beer from our very good friends and sponsors and supporters at Beer Cartel. Speaking of Beer Cartel, uh, our first letter from Evan O'Brien, um, who posted on the Facebook group, finally listening to this week's episode, and my hat goes off, this is last week's, um, my hat goes off to Beer Cartel for, for their design of the box, actually. All cans. Uh, five by five, and that fits perfectly in my bar fridge. If I didn't have the bar fridge, yes, it would be a problem. Previous year's calendars had cans and bottles, meaning even with his fridge, the bar fridge, keeping warm and cooling on the morning of. Um, so brown bags was the best, as you could uh, take them out, but they're very labour-intensive to create, I'm sure. As for tasting notes, because I, I brought this up, so thank you for clearing this up for me, Evan. As for tasting notes, they're actually emailing each afternoon, so there's no printing. 
Uh, it's very unfortunate about number 25. That was, the, of course, the Black Ops extra eggnog. Uh, but they did do a massively good job getting the word out to dispose and offering good, fair options to compensate. Uh, thank you for that, Evan. Absolutely. Yeah, because we, we talked last week about um, how people are going with the, these these big boxes. And we, we thank you to everyone who sent us photos of your box in, in the fridge and how you're managing it. And um, thank you especially to husbands and wives who are non-beer drinkers who are indulging uh, those beer drinkers. Yeah, other half. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff yeah, that's taken fine. from we the second shelf. We don't food leading into Christmas. <laughs> yes, you can take all the food out and put a box of beer in. I don't know how those turkeys and hams are going to fit into some of those um, uh, I would still, following up on my comments from last week, I, I still would love to see uh, if there's an opportunity for Rowling's label stickers and packaging to come up with a, um, you know, a sleeve that the, the can goes into that then goes into the box. Yep. Because I, I, I just reckon that would, would work. Because you've still got to then, even if, as Evan says, if you can get the whole box in, you've still then got to pull it out each day rather than just pulling out the, the number one, the number two, or 25, 24, 23, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where it was interesting because the, the brown paper bags were a good idea because that way if you want to sort of take it out, um, you could do it. But um, anyway, it, it sounds like the, the smart people at... Uh, beer cartel have found a way to do it, and and all of the other um, advent calendars have, have found a way that they can fit in, yeah, and and do it well. So uh, and yeah. again, it's an evolving it's an evolving thing. As you know, twenty five all cans. Uh, I know uh, Carwin have a great deal of success with their can vent calendar, which is the same thing. Okay, we've got a, a heap of beers available now in cans. Let's make a, a advent calendar that's that's all cans. Um, it's an evolution, so it's 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 all improving as as they go along, and obviously the you know, like everything, feedback. If you've got an idea, or if you you know get really annoyed by doing stuff, don't you know jump on Facebook and and shit can. How about you know I jump on the, the email and say uh, just notice with this, but here's a bit of feedback for you because it's all I'm sure it's all appreciated. Um, as is the feedback that we get um, through the Facebook group as well as emails and through the Australian Brews News. Uh, Facebook page as well. One of the interesting things that came out of that was, uh, no, it was one, it must have been one of the other people that posted a photo of saying, now that they're all cans, the carton fits on, on the shelf in the fridge. Which again, it, it, it's one of those hidden pressures um, or you know, hidden um, you know, influences over drivers of change. Drivers of change is if, if you've got a bottle this year, you're not going to be included. And I would imagine a lot of brewers would want their product in some of these bigger um, advent calendars. But if you are bottle only, suddenly there is a product that's not even going to be considered for the can vent calendar or the beer cartel calendar because their packaging is designed to fit cans. Yeah, and the flip side of that, Matt, we've often talked about some restaurants who don't want to put cans on their, their list. So if you've got bottles, you're, you're welcome there, but not in the advent calendar. Absolutely. but it's, so it's swings and roundabouts. It, it is swings and roundabouts, but we are really seeing, um, you know, like shelf space in bottle shops. Um, you know, if, if you've got yeah, a pale but, but Is that driven by consumer demand or by retail demand? Either way, the brewers have got to kind of go, well, if people aren't, you know, if all of a sudden people stop drinking in pubs, I'm not going to start. I'm not going to keep putting my beer in kegs. I'm going to, you know, there, there's always something new coming along, isn't there? Absolutely, but it's it's it, once you reach a certain critical mass for something like cans, you know, if there are eight pale ales on a shelf, 
and two bottles, but the retailer can, you know, get rid of those two bottles and essentially get a whole extra shelf in their fridge or, um, you know, on, on, on the, the, the dry shelf. There's a there's a decision that they've got to make. Well, will I just stick with these bottles, or will I increase the amount of shelf space I can have? Yeah. Um, you know, it, or, or if a brewer suddenly goes, oh, I don't know, bottles make me distinctive, but look, then I'm not included in the in 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 the can. Or you could always go to East Coast Canning and just get a special bottle one. Anyway, I just thought it was an interesting thing to to consider. It is. You could do a special limited edition uh, Christmas only. Um, you know, our flagship beer available in cans. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. It's exciting. It's a, it is an exciting time. I mean, I know things are changing and, uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, uh, universally for the better, but um, it's still very, a very much an exciting time. Hey, did you notice, I don't think we're taking credit for it at all, but um, uh, good friend of the program, Michael Thorne, from, uh, the head, has stepped down as the <laughs> yeah. chair of, of uh, the Federation for Alcohol Research and Education, Matt. Oh, mate. <laughs> After 10 years of, of diligently working so hard and producing wonderful figures that don't necessarily stack up, uh, has stepped down. I, I, I think it must have exhausted him writing all of those anonymous complaints, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, also, um, you know, the effort it must have taken to keep uh, responding to Claire saying, for various reasons, we're not going to reply to your email. Oh, okay then. <laughs> Yeah. No, he had people to do that for him. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and now, uh, so thank you very much to Evan, who's a, a regular uh, contributor to um, our mailbag, as is Sarah Gall, who also on the Facebook group, um, trying this hard seltzer stuff. It tastes like watered down Passiona. Now, I haven't drunk an RTD in about 10 years, but is this what the kids are into these days? Which then followed, Matt, I've got to say, uh, quite an interesting exchange that um, our own producer, Joe Helder, jumped into uh reminding her that well, it was a passiona or a pasita uh, pasita passiona, i think was her a, favorite yeah but she used to eat it with tim Tam, drink it with tim tams yeah i didn't get that but as she said when, when you're a kid like it, if there's chocolate and soft drink in front of you you're not sort of thinking now what are the flavor notes i'm going to pick up on this no before before the other kids discover it <laughs> yeah. take it off me so so i can understand the uh you know the the emotional the bintang effect as she uh, uh, attributed to it that it was just the association with that which i can entirely uh, understand and it's a and it's a great lesson too in how you know we, we 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 might now look back at the flares that we wore or the corduroys or the you know the um you know the alpaca did you ever have the alpaca um starsky and hutch jacket you know the it was kind of like a, an open hoodie it was like a bathrobe kind of thing with alpacas knitted into it that Starsky or Hutch used to wear all the time. They were popular for a while. And you, yeah, you look back at photos now and you go, well, why did I ever, you know, it's it's different when your mum dresses you, you know, but when you get to that age where you're choosing your own wardrobe and you go, oh, what was I thinking? But it does show how everything evolves, including our palate. So the stuff that we used to take for granted and say, well, I'll never stop drinking this because how good, how good is beer? Um you know, Carlton Draft or whatever it might have been. And then you discover other flavours and you, your, your palate just develops. But funnily enough, and, and that's where, um, and what we've touched on it um, around the whole layback stuff, is that flavour cues are something that are a far more powerful attractant. Uh, flavour and price are much more attractive to younger drinkers, which are the people that um, Fair and ABAC very much want to stamp out. Than, than, than labels. So I don't want to go there. But, you know, Pete, it, it, it's one of the things I've grappled with 
for a, for a long time because on the one hand you sort of think well look yeah, beers like Corona and you know as as brewers chase changing markets um, and making beer less and less bitter that, that that's just business that's what you do if if um, you know nineteen year olds twenty year olds don't want to drink you know particularly bitter um, drinks and by and large that is the market um, that they don't want to. Um, brewers are going to skew their products to to chase that market because if they don't, then they're competing against all of the um, RTD makers and things like that. But the problem with that is is that you are trivialising and you're making alcohol an easy target because you clearly are targeting palates by uh, you're targeting an age group by targeting that sort of palate. And I've just got like it, 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 it's it, it's a very unworldly notion, but alcohol is the product of fermentation, um, which is you know food spoilage basically. Um, with science, a magical chemical process, magical chemical process that we and, and and we have become very good at artfully spoiling to make it pleasant. But if you look at the you know the, the when kids first drink wine. Um, you know, when you first have your, your, your sip of wine, and we all did that, we sort of snuck a little bit of uh, wine from our parents' fridge. Or, or, we're, or we're offered it at, at, at Christmas, Matt, let's or say. Or offered at Christmas. A, a toast perhaps at an aunt's wedding or something like that. Yeah, and you would sort of think, how do they drink this stuff? Because it's yeah, got that fermented flavour, like which is spoilage that you associate. You know, as a young palate, we are instinctively wired that it is food spoilage. Um and just because we are better at hiding those flavours, um, you know, I, I, I do deep down wonder whether we should because that is the nub of the problem. The easier we make alcohol to drink, the more that people are going to drink. Um, but that look, that, that's just a philosophical thing I'd throw in there. That you know, You're never going to make a business making alcohol harder to drink. No, that's right. Uh, and that sounds like uh, as good a note as any upon which to wrap this episode of Good Brews Week. Um, thanks very much, Matt, and uh, welcome back. I'm going to let you get back to the office and say hello to the kids and and hand out the uh, the gifts that I'm I'm sure they are sitting there waiting for with bated breath. Well, this, <laughs> this time, yeah, yeah. I, I got a bit. Dad of... went on holidays again. Whenever he goes overseas, he brings us back something nice. Although scary, Clary, yeah, I hope you didn't bring her another shit can of uh, white of, claw. Uh, hard seltzer. Yeah, no. Last time I brought Clary a can of white claw and Sam a can of uh, Fosters, and apparently Sam gave the can of Fosters away. So, ah, uh, oh, the oil can. The oil can, yeah. D- so... Does he realise? Because we ended up getting that in San Diego, which was the last leg of our trip. Because um, everyone had been saying, you know, oh, we we speak to Americans, and they talk, oh yeah, the oil can of Fosters. That's that's yeah. what we kind of associate beer in Australia. Um, and it wasn't until was it Frank's? It was like a you know local grocery store yep. uh, that we finally found the big can, and 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 got some hard seltzer as well. Exactly. And, well, no, this Trouble time you go to, because they, they got upset. I actually had to buy a you know a suitcase to to bring back because um, i couldn't <laughs> oh you were over yeah you were over. <laughs> yeah i was over so i had to pay the uh the, the extra cost oh, only for one leg um and an internal leg um but yeah so no i got them uh, when i was because i think last week i alluded to what i'd done I'd, i had a, an amazing trip to uh the leafman's brewery and also yes. to duval um, and that was quite fascinating. So, but I bought them both a uh, like a, a, a 
large bottle of Duval Fresh um, from the brewery, uh, which was, again, it's, it's, you can get it here, but this is a special um, bottle of Duval. So, um, and it, incidentally, if you're looking for a match for Christmas turkey, Duval is just gobsmackingly good. So uh, go out and find yourself a bottle of Duval. Get amongst it. Actually, Pete, just I know that you wind no, up, but we've still got a couple of minutes. One of the things I want to say, when we were uh, doing this bus tour, we went to Leafman's, we went to Duval, but we had lunch at a little cafe um, at the Belgian Brewing University and just went across the road to the, to the cafe. Um, and they had Orville, um, or, sorry, Orval um, in, in bottles. And... You're sort of going, oh, wow, isn't this amazing that we've got Orval? Um, you know, just sort of sitting here with our um, carbonade um, with a bottle of Orval. And I sort of tried and thought, gee, this doesn't taste nearly as interesting as Orval does in Australia. We looked at the use-by date and the, the beer was like two weeks old. Um, and so it was like really clean. It still had that little bit of a, of a tang, but it had none of the age and none of the uh, complexity that we associate with Orval uh, having it in, in Australia, which I thought was quite fascinating. Um, so, there you go. Yeah, so like it, two-week-old Orval. Just before we do uh, wind up, apropos our chat about uh, Jimmy Gold, just flicking through uh, updating Facebook and what has jumped out, but uh, the latest post from Jimmy and uh, our previous producer, Lockie McIntosh, uh, the 28 Kilometre Club. A massive thank you to Craig, Loretta, Lachlan and the team at ABC Brisbane for coming down and doing a live broadcast while a whole bunch of us ran the relay. So humbled that friends and strangers alike took time out of their day to come down and support me, have a run and have a chat. The message I learnt here is to make time for people, even if it's only for one kilometre or one cup of coffee, make time, reach out for others, us, looking after us, people looking after people. And that, Matt, is an even better way uh, to finish up uh, with thanks to Cryomalt, to Relling's label stickers and packaging, to Beer Cartel and to Unleash Software for uh, making this all possible. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard, who's going to go now and do some work for a change. And um, you've been all individually named and way too uh, numerous for me to mention individually here but thank you all very much for listening and we'll catch you all again for the next episode of good brews week see you matt see you pete and now we're out don't forget if you like what we do here at radio brews news you can help us out in a number of ways you can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation you'll find details in the show notes you can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. 